Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, and we are merely uh, weeks around the corner from the annual Battle of the Boot. Indeed. Uh, the the great gridiron, gridiron battle between LSU and Arkansas. And here's the deal. This year, Coach O has nothing to lose. <laughs> I know because he's leaving. <laughs> leaving with his $17 million buyout. What other industry can you get fired and take $17 million with you on your way out. Youth pastor. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a a good financial game plan could just be become a college coach and get fired. I think, yeah, that is a good game plan because it's a lot less stressful, you know, if you can be out half season, you know. But I think the way you choose to – facilitate your firing is very key. You you want to do it and maintain your mm-hmm. moral integrity, your biblical integrity. And so mm-hmm. I guess just make some bad calls and coaching decisions and lose games. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to start working on it figure out how to be a college football coach. Put my name in for LSU, <laughs> you know, just, just roll with it and, you know, take a, take a buyout. I'll take a, I'll take a $2 million buyout. That's it. That's there all I go. need. And then I'm good from there. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready and prepared to bring the hog hat with me when we have a scheduled time, when we're going to be in the same space. If I win this year, we you've got to have a picture with the hog hat since I had to wear the pajama top last year. My my goal is just to see you in that same that same pajama shirt again, but I'm willing to wear the hat <laughs> if I want you lose. Well, whooping suey, let's go Razorbacks. We, let's not let our football get in the way of our podcasting. So we've got more oh. important things to do than talk about Arkansas LSU. We did not come here to talk about college football. We have come here to continue our great series on leadership judo with leadership styles. So we've done visionary and operator, and we have now moved to processor, V-O-P-S, from Les McEwen's The Synergist and Predictable Success. And just using that as a framework to talk about the way that some people approach leadership and service and thinking about things and really just that awareness. We talk a lot about self-awareness on this podcast and the importance of that. And so that self-awareness of understanding others' leadership styles can bring great clarity and synchronicity to the team. But maybe the hardest place to do that is between the visionary and the processor. And oftentimes the visionary is in the number one chair Mm-hmm. as the lead pastor, not always, but oftentimes. And then somewhere in the organization, either the treasurer or the personnel committee chairperson or deacon chairperson or something like that, a lot of times you may have a strong processor. And there is going to be some natural tension between these two if they don't figure out how to understand and respect each other's perspectives and leadership styles. There can even be a little bit of tension between the operator and the processor when the operator feels like the processor has slowed process progress down too much for them. And the processor will get frustrated with the operator when they don't follow policies and procedures on a regular basis. Yes. The way I think about it is the, the visionary is the gas pedal 
the operator is like the steering wheel guy, dry, you know, steering to some degree. And then the processor is like the emergency brake, right? And so they may yank on that brake when, when things get going fast or you're kind of going on the sides a little bit. You're going to pull back on that brake. Or, or the processor may be, you know, did you ever have an old go-kart or four-wheeler with a, with a governor on it? The governor, it limits how fast the engine will go, how much acceleration it'll take. And so they kind of become that limit on how fast things can go. That's true. I always wanted to go-kart Jimbo, and my, my dad never gave me a go-kart, so I'm kind of sad about no. that. You had, a, you had a moped, though. Yeah, I did. I had a moped. <laughs> this can be this can be particularly frustrating in church revitalization because we're we're trying to make changes, we're trying to gain momentum. Processes are naturally a little hesitant about change in in particular, and so I, I wanted to talk a little bit at first just about the mind of a processor, and then we'll dive into kind of the the judo principles we can understand about that. One of the things we have to understand is that processors feel compelled to bring order. They want to see things done in an orderly fashion, in a way that's repeatable, in a way that's clear, in a way that's right. As a matter of fact, for processors, it's so important that what they're doing, they do it right, that they can actually get so focused on doing the thing right that they may miss doing the right thing. And if you followed me, and that makes sense, the idea there. And so they may very precisely and accurately complete something, but it may be not the right thing that needed to happen at that moment, but they've been precise and accurate in it. They have a resistance to change because change is related to risk, and those kind of things come together. The operator that we talked about last week, when we're talking about ideas, they're immediately saying, well, let's let's get started. As a matter of fact, when you have an operator in a planning meeting, one, they don't want to be in that meeting in the first place, but as soon as they hear the big idea and the direction, they've probably already texted six people and got the ball rolling on, <laughs> on the project. <laughs> Whereas the processor is thinking not how do we get this started, but what is what what are the systems and processes need to be put in place right now to ensure that this task, this goal is can be performed consistently in the future. And so some of the strengths that they bring to the table are consistency, accuracy, control, analysis, and those sorts of things. They have kind of an invariable pace. They're going to go at the pace that they're going to go. Urgency doesn't speed up the pace necessarily of a processor. There's a right pace to do it, and that's the pace that they're going to do. And sometimes they can struggle from a paralysis of analysis. And and at least it seems to visionaries and operators especially that their first reaction, gut reaction to everything is no or not yet, and not yes, let's go do it. And this is where some of that tension comes in as well with the visionary and the operator. I think one of the points we got to remember is if you have a group that is sharing leadership responsibilities at your church, and you believe the scriptures, that every person is part of the body and that leadership within the church is not just one person or a few persons, but it's the plurality of leaders in conjunction with the bo- the gifts of the body. I, I think that's important to think about your committee members who seem to be like emergency breaks or committee guidelines or bylaw people or you know those sorts of things. I think you have to realize that God has placed them in a position to, put, put, to protect you and to guide you and to help those of you who would run fast and sprint towards a decision out of passion, God's given them to you to help that vision mature and for a communication plan to develop, right? And in mm-hmm. some ways, they're they're um, just the fact that they're there asking questions 
will cause, I've seen this happen in a meeting, will cause a, a visionary who processes out loud verbally to talk himself out of what he just suggested that everybody should do. Right. So if a processor had just asked questions, like just simple questions, right? Like how does this impact what we've already approved? Is this a new budget initiative? Where we were gonna where would we find the resources to do this? Right. So those are good proactive questions that rather than saying, no, we can't do it, it's asking somebody to think in a detailed way that a processor's just heard the vision and they begin to think in details. And so I, I think mature visionaries and operators can see that person as a gift from God to the organization, to the church, to help them think about things that they don't even think about. And and so before we before we want to make sure that we call a meeting and don't invite them, we need to probably consider that that God's placed them there for a specific purpose and, and embrace that. We have to embrace that in order to understand that God has put them there for a reason and for a role. And and listen, this is not a Hey, well, we got to tolerate this. This is a gift. This is a gift mm-hmm. to the body of Christ that there's somebody thinking about this, that there's yeah. somebody asking these questions. And because they are not often in that lead top level role with as the, as the lead pastor, and sometimes they slow processes down, it is so unfortunate that they can become villainized or avoided by visionary and operator leaders because they feel like they are just getting in the way when really what we've got to figure out is how how do we work symbiotically how does this how do we know our strengths and know our weaknesses commit to that kingdom commitment i'm going to put the good of the church both local and global over my own personal interest and desires and value the input the thoughtfulness the accuracy the integrity of the processor Part of that respecting that is respecting that what they do is very principled. Like there's not an arbitrary part of a processor's life, most likely, right? So Les McEwen says they're easy to recognize, not just in the workplace, but in every walk of life. Like they've color-coded their wardrobes. They've arranged their books by subject. They know the replacement date of their water filter. They remember when the fire extinguisher inspection needs to happen they know how much the copier lease is for and when the contract is up again. And here's the deal. We need somebody that knows those things and we need somebody that's thinking <laughs> yes. through those things. And so I think we have to respect that that's a great value, but but also respect that they have principles. And so here's where we're going to have a very different approach than when we talked about visionaries and operators. With both mm-hmm. visionaries and operators, we kind of said, Hey, casual meetings with a visionary, let them choose the venue and it's going to be a coffee shop or it's going to be a cool restaurant or, or a random place. Operators, man, just figure out where they are and go there and just walk with them while they're working and talk. Both of those approaches are horrible ideas to try with a processor. <laughs> don't, don't do this with a processor. Schedule the meeting ahead of time when it works on their schedule and show up on time, be punctual, be prepared, be precise. I've heard, I've heard before be, uh, what is it? Be brilliant, be brief and be gone. And (laughs) be punctual, be prepared, be precise. I think it's important to just to talk about the fact that the processor leadership style and the visionary leadership style can really get sideways with each other. And, And it can be over little things like you just mentioned, right? Let's say there's a committee meeting at church. The processor's gotten there 
20 minutes early, turned on the air conditioner, got the waters, printed off all of the stuff. The visionary, who might be the pastor, stopped by his favorite coffee joint to you know pick up the coffee for himself, probably not for everybody else. Saw somebody that he needed to talk to. And then that person asked him about something and it sparked an idea in his head. And so then he probably just started shooting around the idea back and forth. And the other person, if they were excited and a visionary too, man, they just started, you know, it was like tennis. Boom, here we go. <laughs> Completely forgets the time. Shows up 10 minutes late to the meeting when all the other committee members are there and the processor is already ticked, right? Yeah. So, so then it's the meeting where he wants to launch in the vision and he doesn't realize that he's ticked off the processor and the processor is ticked off at him. So they're going to ask a little bit, they're going to ask her questions, a little bit of heat on him. And then everybody's going to walk away from that mm-hmm. meeting going, why did that not go well? And it's over something little, right? Yeah. I, you know, some of the younger pastors, I think, or let's say pastors who also have a, a level of low self-awareness, they just don't get that fact that how they view life and how others view life is different. And it adds to the color that God's placed in our, in our leadership teams and our committees, but it also can create chaos if we don't respect one another and, and understand one another. And so a mature response from a, a visionary would be to come in and if that happened, apologize and explain what happened. And a mature response from a, a processor might be, you know what, our, our pastor is so visionary that he often just will get lost in his vision. And so we just kind of understand sometimes that happens, right? And grant grace on both sides. So the judo move, if you're dealing with a processor, I think you've, you've highlighted some good things is, man, respect respect the way that they're wired up and what they believe in, their principles, but also just realize you're going to have to, you're really going to have to be be aware and sensitive to how you interact with them according to what we might call just common courtesy in terms of like being where you're supposed to be on time, being prepared, having the documents ready, you know, communicating ahead of time and coming in with an agenda. You know, we talked, this is what we we're going to talk about last time. And here's the agenda. Maybe that's communicated ahead of time because you probably shouldn't let a visionary set the agenda. You should probably just ask them a cup for a couple of uh, two or three items, right? Because <laughs> they're going to scratch it out on like a, a sticky note before they come in and they're not going to email it to anybody. There's, you know, it's going to be a disaster. Man, I think you, you just really got to be wise if, if you're a visionary operator, how you, how you deal with a processor, right? Well, I think you've got to understand, this is so important. If you are, if you have a low processor in you or, or, or none, and you're a high visionary, high operator, would, or even synergist, what you may not realize is that preciseness and accuracy for a processor is about integrity mm-hmm. and credibility. And you will either gain or lose credibility based off of your preciseness. And here's what I mean. Your preciseness and your punctuality, your preciseness in how you how you say things. And so w- when you're in a meeting and the, the chair of the personnel committee is a high processor and you're saying you're defending your youth pastor and you're saying, I mean, our youth, our youth leader's great. And I think we need to figure out how to get him a raise. I mean, he's had dozens of salvations this year mm-hmm. and baptisms and what you, what you need to realize is that processor probably knows exactly the number of baptisms that have happened. And if, if, and so when you say dozens and it's really been 15 and it has barely been more than one dozen, which would be amazing 15, but the, the issue isn't, is that you exaggerated it. The issue is that you, you bloviated and, and you decided to, 
for emphasis in a, in a visionary way to add a little bit to it, to make it sound better or whatever. And, 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 and it's not that you are intended intentionally being deceptive, but you have to know, at least acknowledge that to the processor, it's hard for them to understand that as anything other than a lack of integrity. Mm-hmm. And, and just knowing that, knowing that that's the way they view things, just be mindful of ambiguity, be mindful of exaggeration. When we're talking about things where there is a precise answer, then have precision to what you say when you're talking with a processor. When you're talking with a visionary, there, there's no difference in their mind between the numbers 10 and 20. The, those are those are the same number, right? And so 100, 125 people on Sunday morning is basically 150, ministerial, ministerially speaking, right? And, and we can joke about that, but what we have to understand is that's not a joke for for high high level processors that re, that they really lose you lose credibility in their mind whenever you are inaccurate and precise with those things. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when they express their concern, you got to hear them out and you got to ask specific questions because sometimes you might not even remember what you said in terms of like the specifics if you're if you're super high visionary, you know, and and then I think the the benefit from that is if they're the ones who are doing all the reporting for the church and the accounting and, you know, all the, the ACP numbers and all that kind of stuff, it, it would be a good idea just to thank them. Man, hey, thank you so much. You you really have a desire to make sure that all of our reports are accurate. And I'm just super grateful for that, that you you pay attention to that level of detail. And, and I think thank them for that, because ultimately, as pastors and leaders, we don't want to be inaccurate about our details. And uh, a lot of times it's hard for us to managing the, the all the things that we're managing and then being a particular leadership style. It's sometimes hard for us to, to really drill down and have a level of accuracy that is on par with a, a processor. So I think if, if we can do another judo move is just show an appreciation for how they see the world and then what they do in terms of keeping the data. I know we have a, a colleague who's a processor, and that's one of the things that I say to him all the time is, man, like, thank you so much for, for all your diligence on keeping the records and having accuracy. And and that goes in not just numbers, but that also goes into emails and conversations and contact forms and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Because I can just ask, hey, man, do we, I remember this conversation. Do you remember it? Or do you, do you have that email? And boom, like if, if they're on their game, they can produce that, which really is super helpful to us. And so I think affirming that and celebrating that they, they're able to produce those kinds of things is really helpful and it makes them feel valued. Yeah. I mean, show that value publicly as well. You know, when you guys have, and your church have accomplished some great things, it's easy to give the visionary and operator some public accolades because what they've done has been more upfront uh, or even on the platform itself. But recognizing not only in your own mind and heart, but also outside, you know, saying it out loud in front of others, hey, we couldn't have accomplished this without this processor's help, without them, you know, when, and, and when they present the budget at the at your annual meeting for a vote or whatever, just be mindful of the fact that took like a lot of work. And so don't, when they make, when like, when they finish their presentation, the worst thing you can do is just go, okay, thanks. And then move on or just start challenging hardcore with anecdotes, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, or over spiritualize yeah. your challenges. I think we have, I think sometimes we want to over spiritualize our challenge to data when they're presenting data to us and they say something like, Hey, I've been running the numbers and 75% of our first time guests 
do not return. And so I think we need to figure out why that is. And here's some of the what the data indicates. And you you fire back with some over-spiritualized answer or anecdotal response of, well, I mean, the Joneses just joined last week. You, what you've done is you've completely dismissed the the data mining that they've done, the work that they put together. And they, when they say 75%, it means 75%. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean 70% or 80%. And, and so hearing that, valuing it, and then asking cl- clarifying questions about the data in showing that appreciation, valuing the work that they put in to whatever it is that they bring to the table as they're talking with you. And I think another judo move, man, is figuring out where where that's needed. If they're a high processor, don't ask them to do a high visionary role that they're not going to and they're not going to get joy out of it. And figuring out what where is it that they're going to get joy in serving the Lord in the way that God has uniquely gifted them in the body. And knowing if they're a part of the body of Christ that God has given you. And so Ephesians 4:16, when each part plays its role properly, the church builds itself up in love. And this is this is one of those roles that's needed, and we need to make sure that we're valuing it. Yeah, I think one of the the final judo moves to mention is you really need to work on your relationship with a processor and build trust with them. And if you build trust with them by valuing them, by making sure that what you say is is accurate and has integrity, and if you're consistent with them in terms of how you treat them and respect them and communicate with them, you're probably building a solid relationship with somebody who's going to really go to the mat for you for your entire time that you're there with the church. And here's what I also know. Most of the people, whether they understand how that person is wired up or not, they trust them a lot. Like in a, in a traditional church that's been in decline, usually the person who's kept the books, kept the data, you know, made sure that everybody's operating by the policies, over, overseeing the building, make sure that the, you know, every, the fire extinguishers are updated and the fire inspection's okay and all those kinds of things. That person carries a lot of weight and, and has a lot of trust within the congregation. So if you get sideways with them, man, you're probably going to be in trouble for a while, right? And, but if they're, the, if they're the person that's on your side and on your team, and if, if they are the ones who can say, you know what? I, that's a big vision and it's amazing. And the only way that's going to happen is if God comes through, but I believe in it, right? Then you've, you've got one of the key persons in your congregation who's going to help you lead that church forward because they trust you. And most everybody trusts the processors among the church body. Absolutely. So happy national love your processors on your team day. I hope that you live, live that out well and go go uh, give them a gift. And maybe your gift to them is leave them alone for a little while to let them get their work done. <laughs> but and don't and don't interrupt them with your stories. Uh, so we'll come back next week with Synergist. In the meantime, we would love to hear from you. What are questions you have? Ways that we could serve you in the process as we continue to be boots on the ground with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing 
and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.